Hello, listeners. Welcome to this episode of Cryptonomics. Before we jump into today's discussion, please keep in mind this recording is for general education and is not intended to constitute investment advice. Any opinions expressed are those of the participants and do not necessarily represent those of Witham. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the inaugural episode of Cryptonomics brought to you by Witham. I am your host, Mark Eckerly, and today's guest is a really good friend of mine, Dr. Sean Stein-Smith, who is well-versed in crypto, blockchain tech, kind of all things under that Web3 umbrella nowadays. So, so how's it going today, Sean? Awesome, Mark. Thank you for having me on the podcast, and I'm honored to actually be your your first guest also. Yeah, we're, we're kicking things off. We're going to get into a couple different things, kind of a, a general economy or market overview, um, talk about current regulatory status of the U.S. policy as well as on a global scale, um, then touch on NFTs kind of towards the end a little bit. Um, but just to give some background on who you are, and if I miss anything, please let me know. Day-to-day job, you are an assistant professor at Lehman College in New York, where you basically developed and taught the first digital currency and blockchain technology course, which is awesome, educating the young minds. Also an advisory board member to the Wall Street Blockchain Alliance, as well as the company Gilded. And where you really come in with your, your well-versed knowledge is you've given countless presentations, numerous articles on a basically weekly cadence, um, and you're, you're a contributor to Forbes' crypto content on a regular basis. Awesome. So with all that knowledge, let's jump right into it. Can you give us a general market overview just of the industry as a whole, right? Can you provide us with an update on the current state of economy as it relates to crypto? Yeah, sure. So uh, how much time do we have, Mark? But just overall, right? Some sort of big, big, uh, big sort of picture trends out there is that one, you know, blockchain and crypto assets have honestly moved right out of the uh, fringe and into the mainstream in a major way right that 2020 21 and 22 have all been sort of annual periods where uh, every major financial institution most payment processors credit card companies and now even actual countries are are fully invested into blockchain and crypto or actually developing their own external products services all the rest and so on the one hand you know um, the whole idea and concept has moved off the dark web idea into everyday mainstream conversations, including podcasts hosted by accounting firms. And so, uh, and so on the on the opposite hand, though, right? As that's happened, right, the ambiguity and policy murkiness has only become more amplified, right? During 2020, 21, and 22, on a strictly gap side, there is no crypto-focused guidance yet. The IRS has kind of updated their FAQs and all the rest, but they've introduced more questions as opposed to answering them. And then overall, right, in in terms of the products and opportunities out there, right, there's DeFi, NFTs, both of which by themselves are multi-billion dollar asset classes who only entered into the marketplace during 2020. And so overall, it's, it's, it has been a period of, I think, maturation, but that, but that as the ecosystem has grown, developed, and become more integrated into everyday life, both on the corporate side and on the individual side, any of those open items that, that had been sort of a minor irritant 
in 2017 are now major problems going forward. Yeah, it's it's really nice to hear you say that we're kind of out of that dark web area right? that we crypto started as a really bad reputation in the early years. We've kind of really shifted away from that. And it, while some people still have that negative connotation with it, I think we've put that behind us as an industry as a whole. And, and we're really becoming adopted by some of the large organizations, financial institutions in the space and taking that next step into just becoming adopted as a whole, which which does lead me to my next kind of my segue around one of the things I was most excited for back in February on the Super Bowl was obviously all the crypto ads, right? I think there was four or five or six or so different ads and, and Coinbase really may have stolen the spotlight with just having <laughs> what you think of as like as a screensaver just bouncing around the screen. 30 seconds, which probably was the simplest form of advertising that caught a lot of people's attention because they were just confused. <laughs> but I, I'm curious what you what you think the impact of these companies will have on just the, the ordinary users, right? Because there's a lot of people that still just don't understand the space. So I think reaching greater audiences with whether it's just commercials or advertising or what do you think is a the next step in getting greater adoption, because I think everyone has heard of the terms now where it's we're beyond those buzzwords of blockchain tech or Bitcoin. It's how do we get people to actually, whether they invest in it or just use it to understand, like, what do you think the next steps are here? Yeah. So so in in terms of sort of that next to rung on that ladder, one is education, 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 right, both for individuals both for entrepreneurs, firm owners, and at the policymaker level, right? Because absolutely, everyone's heard of blockchain, heard of Bitcoin, and kind of have an understanding as to how they work. Awesome stuff. But there is sort of, I think, a underlying danger that there are people out there who are becoming complacent and that, and that actually think that having that sort of base level knowledge is actually good going forward, or it's, or it's all... Or, or that having that base level knowledge isn't going to have to be updated, right? And obviously, the whole asset class has developed and evolved quite quickly after 2019, 2020, 21, 22. And so the overall thing is education. And so education, obviously, is a very broad umbrella. And for the everyday person, right, sort of that non-expert individual sort of building on that point, the other area, the other area that... I'd really highlight as sort of that next rung is to is to make it easier to understand, right? And 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 to make it clear to everybody who is involved in these transactions what actually is happening, right? I'm a CPA by expertise, and so I always try to understand and I always try to give this piece of advice to any external clients. Like, okay, fine, I can have the you know buzziest hottest new application out there but actually what's happening on a economics level right who is owning it who is buying it and how are we actually valuing that individual transaction if we can get that uh or to add to that level of understanding through education then it becomes a lot easier to have everybody understand what exactly is happening and all of that i think is critical because as we have apps like Robinhood, Cash App, Coinbase, are all able to be traded on your tablet, on your phone, there are going to be individuals, entrepreneurs, companies who are 
almost on accident getting involved in this area who don't quite understand the implications of that. So education one and two, trying to make sure on a transparency point of view that everybody understands what exactly is happening if I if I mint an NFT or or am part of an airdrop or I buy some coins in a online game that I'm playing. You know, okay fine, so so I understand the action, but I also have to understand in a clear, transparent way the economic impact of that action on me. Yeah. Yeah, I think you really hit the nail on the head around those two things is education, right? Every time I'm researching a new token or a new NFT, you you always come across with the possible scams, right? The ones that didn't work out or kind of it was the, the bad use cases. Um, so education and just doing your own research to make sure that you as an individual are comfortable with that risk exposure and things like that is is critical. Um, and then two is like user interfaces just because a lot of people, especially in the early days of crypto, it was just confusing on how to get Bitcoin with cash. It wasn't as straightforward. So now there's a lot of fiat on-ramps and the user interfaces are much more cleaner. And like you said, purchasing crypto right on your phone or your tablet with a lot of those uh, well-known applications makes things a lot easier to just first to, to get more people into the space from an onset, right? Whether it's $10 or $50, whatever the amount is, um, just getting that exposure. Because I, I personally believe the best way to learn is to just dip your feet in, right? Like someone can explain it to you, but if you, if you don't execute a transaction yourself and see it hit the blockchain and what is actually happening, like you said, it's, it's not as easy to understand. Absolutely right. The best way to learn is to actually do. Yeah. So, so to help provide more clarity just for the regular retail investors on the economy, I kind of wanted to shift, it, shift this to the U.S. side, right? Understanding regulatory policy, you kind of mentioned there's, there's the, the, the guidance currently out there. It's murky. We get it every couple of years. Maybe we get some updates. Um, but where do we stand from a U.S. policy standpoint? And the reason I want to segue to this is because recently President Biden came out with his executive order. So I was wondering if you can kind of give us an overview of what that was and how it impacts the current crypto economy. Yeah, sure thing. So on the one hand, that that order, it was basically just a uh, nothing burger, right, in, in terms of direct policy action or policy steps, which is not great. But on the other hand, right, by issuing that order, by itself, the White House and the team at the White House who's in charge of these things basically tried to communicate, one, that, that crypto assets aren't, aren't going to be banned or be exiled, right? Because uh, there are certain policymakers here in the U.S. who have been actively campaigning to, to ban crypto or to ban certain types of, of crypto. So, okay, fine. As a result of this EO, bans or shadow bans are off off the radar. And then two, by basically telling all of these agencies to cooperate and to play nice, right? The SEC, CFTC, OCC, the whole alphabet soup gang, by ordering them to to coordinate and to play nice, that will hopefully create a more consistent and comprehensive policy framework going forward. I don't know when 
hopefully soon, but having that sort of order at that top-down level to have the agencies coordinate as opposed to all of them going out there on their own is, I think, helpful. And then overall, the overall point three is that basically by, by putting crypto on the front burner and by bringing in items like the uh, competition linked to crypto, both here in the US and driven by other countries internationally, it has been, I would say, elevated up to a top burner issue for policymakers and agencies here in the US. And so on the one hand, there, there aren't any direct policy actions outlined in this bill, but on the other hand, at the very least now, finally, there is a comprehensive framework to help those agencies actually write those policies to hopefully do so in a way that is coordinated and that is actually market uh, friendly. Yeah, from, from what I recall, it, well, there wasn't anything substantial, but it was all about trying to drive innovation and keeping it here rather than just putting your hard foot down and saying, no, we're not, we're not, we're not moving forward with this new asset class and we're not going to accept it. And I'm curious if there's any update currently in the United States on what that, or what our version would be of a CBDC, right? Essentially bank back digital currency. Um, because I know there's other countries around the world that have already issued some of theirs or are on the verge of issuing. And the community as a whole, I think is still against it, right? Because I think this what a CBDC will offer is just more government purview into our transaction. So it's it kind of it's not with the crypto ethos um, and maintaining your own assets, which is against it. But I'm I'm just curious for our listeners as to where we stand because that could also be another way to just get the ordinary investor into this space, right? Just a new another means of an on ramp. Mm-hmm. And so I've been out there as you outlined earlier. I've been doing articles, presentations, corporate trainings, consultations on this on this area since about 2016, 2017. And I team actually outlining that ultimately, you know, countries are going to issue their own crypto, right? 100% absolutely. And and on the one hand, I totally understand that that it's the opposite of the ethos of Bitcoin. I totally get that. But on the other hand, you know, from a policy point of view, monetary policy, fiscal policy, no country is ultimately going to want to outsource their control over all of those tools to some decentralized online asset. Ultimately, just is not going to pan out. And so on the sort of headway made here in the U.S., I would say Jerome Powell has been asked uh, about that topic during every hearing he has gone to, I would say since about 2019. And so, and so yes, it is a topic being, being uh, actively researched right now. Uh, I believe that the, that, the, that the collaboration between the Boston Fed and MIT just, just actually published or actually demoed you know, their own version of a blockchain that could handle dollar-based transactions and it could process about 2 million transactions every single second. And so, uh, yes, it is an issue being talked about and actively researched right now here in the U.S., but, but it is not a top priority, I would say, right now. 
um, and probably I would say is ultimately a issue that's going to be on the back burner until at least 2023 because we have price inflation we have all kinds of other things on the on the top burner now at the Fed I would say personally that it's in the interest of advocates of crypto and the US dollar right both to to have this progress to have this project make progress going forward right because ultimately right to have the average individual non-expert non-crypto you know expert use crypto it is going to have to come either issued out of the government or have that government backstop right just for the everyday person everyday entrepreneur it is going to have to have uh, components of that and so i would say that 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 project is underway and it is going to ultimately happen i don't know when shifting really quickly to one of the hottest topics over the last 12 to 18 months now nfts this has been on everyone's mind everyone's seeing it everywhere it's all over television now um all over the internet anytime you go on social media nfts 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 non-fungible tokens these have been around for since the beginning of crypto, they just weren't a thing <laughs> until 18 months ago. Um, so I'm curious if you can quickly give us a two to three minute deep dive. Now, you obviously can't go too deep. We, we can have an hour episode on just NFTs alone. But I, I just want to give our listeners an understanding of what an NFT is past just a Google image, right? Because that's when I think of it. An NFT, right? I'm going to go pay $1,000 for something that I could just Google and save it as a photo on my phone. I don't, and I think that's where a lot of people come into this space. Like it just, it, it doesn't make sense. And there's, like you said, it is a trillion dollar market right now. Can you tell us why? <laughs> sure. Uh, I can try, right? Because NFTs <laughs> are this umbrella term that can mean a whole host of actual things but the best parallel and i was just having this actual conversation yesterday um that probably the the uh best parallel that i can draw and the most obvious one is yes artwork right that i can tokenize i can mint the artwork fine great absolutely but but a other parallel to draw is actually collectibles like wine or baseball cards, right? And that the NFT isn't the image itself, or you aren't paying for the image, right? The actual value in that NFT, in that token, is that that token represents a traceable, transparent, unhackable record of ownership and custody over assets, both in the virtual world and more and more in the physical tangible world. And so that's what you're paying for in a NFT. It's it's basically a, a updated way of tracking who owns either what, what uh, asset in a lot, in a collection, or who owns what percentage of some bigger asset. And to do so on a underlying blockchain and to then try to ultimately i think monetize that value of that asset or of that collection that would otherwise be dormant and so that's the best way that i think that you aren't paying for the image or the board ape the actual true value of nfts 
is that tokenized ownership of either virtual assets or tangible assets. Yeah, I, I agree. And I always like to give the example where I think an NFT could come into play, right? I, I use it in the real estate space with yep. like the deed to 100%. my house, right? You have a digital footprint, a digital ownership showing the record and that on the day I go and sell my house, I transfer that deed and you could publish it and see it on the blockchain. And you see now that whoever I sold it to is now the owner, right? Because I, when I bought my house a couple of years ago, it was, I think it took four months before the deed actually got filed with the town just for some paper processing reason. So it's, it, it, that was the perfect use case in my eyes for one of the areas where I think an NFT could come into play. Absolutely. hundred percent. So just, so just to wrap up the episode, I just want to get your thoughts on what are you personally most excited for in 2022, right? We're, we're about three months through the year. What do you see kind of popping up if it hasn't already in the year or what are you most excited for? Whether it's an application being built, just kind of the next step in this space that you think is going to really pop or, or have some real like feasibility in this space. Sure. So, so uh, while, while I, while I normally don't ever talk about uh, projects or individual applications, probably the, the top three areas that I'm most interested in is one NFTs, right? As they move out of the virtual space into the real world, right? I was, I was just on a panel within the last week or so talking about blockchain and NFTs for home ownership, right? Deeds, titles, all the rest. So, so I'm, so I, I am amped to actually see NFTs almost grow up in the eyes of the everyday individual. And then two, really sort of the main use case to get people into the blockchain crypto asset space, the stable coin payments. Right to have that actually work, because right because that's a idea and concept that that anybody can understand, can can sort of map in their head how it works. Right, that I have this this token or this cryptocurrency, but it's worth the uh, exact same thing as one U.S. dollar, and it's cheaper, faster, easier to make payments and to get paid. So great, and then and then a other area. Um, that I'm personally quite interested in is is an idea of how to use blockchain to give individuals control over their online ID, right? Self-sovereign ID. So, so it is not technically a finance term or an accounting term, but ultimately, right? All of us are a collection of our education, expertise, in-person connections, and more and more our online presence. And so, um, and also for individuals, but for entrepreneurs and corporations, right? Uh, how to cultivate, how to safeguard, and then how to best monetize our online persona and presence, I think is a really great opportunity for blockchain-based applications, right? Not any one coin or token, but that, uh, uh, your blockchain layer to help individuals and corporations control and then monetize their online personas. So I would say that all three areas are, are areas that I'm interested in and that I'm hoping uh, actually pan out well during the year. Yeah, and, and to that last point, really not just owning your identity, your digital identity, but also owning your, your data, right? 
Like yes. our data, we give it away for free now. So just having that and whether you want to sell it, market it, whatever, you should be rewarded for that. Um, whereas now, like a lot of the big tech companies are the ones being rewarded for selling our own data. Um, yes. <laughs> so I, I agree. I really agree. Um, great. I, I think this was a fantastic episode. Thank you for joining us today. And I think that wraps up the first episode of Cryptonomics. All views expressed in this podcast by Mark Eckerly or his guests are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Witham. This podcast is for informational purposes only.